lot of questions out there, but I think that it's now the moment to start at least discussing and bringing together people with a strong opinion on that because uh, we will need to act fast as soon as possible. You've been an editor-in-chief over the most transformative decade the industry has faced, and how have you seen your role evolve? My job is incomparably different uh, than it used to be 10 years ago. The magazine and the brand and the contents we're producing and the beauty we can put together is more important than me and the people that actually are working in this moment for the brand. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion, and welcome to a special episode of the BOF podcast. These are unprecedented times, and unprecedented times call for unprecedented actions. At BOF, our mission is to open, inform, and connect the global fashion industry. And fulfilling this mission is more important now than ever. Across the entire BOF team, we have been working hard to serve our global community to help you navigate through the storm of change that the industry is currently experiencing. We don't know how long this storm will last, but we want to do our best to find an opportunity in this crisis. We are privileged to have access to the best experts, the most talented creatives, and the smartest thinkers in the fashion industry. And over the coming days, weeks, and possibly months, we will be bringing our global community together every day in a series of live digital events to better understand the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on our industry, to create a sense of global connectedness, and to share positive stories of learning and progress in facing the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead. On this special episode, we're bringing you our first BOF Live event, an interview with Emanuele Farnetti, editor-in-chief of Vogue Italia. Emanuele spoke to BOF's Robin Mallory Pratt about everything that's going on in Italy at the moment and how he and his colleagues at Vogue Italia and the wider Italian fashion industry are navigating these tough times. Good afternoon or good morning to all of you that are joining us. I'm delighted to welcome Emanuele Farnetti, the editor-in-chief of Vogue Italia. Uh, he is one of Italy's most respected and experienced editors-in-chief. Uh, Mr. Farnetti, or Emanuele, joins me from Lombardy, near Milan, just outside Milan, uh, which is now the region which has been worst impacted by the coronavirus pandemic and sadly still faces a, a tragic loss of life each day. Um, there was some positive news over the weekend that the number of new cases had dropped for the first time. And uh, I know you will all join me in wishing Mr. Farnetti that this is the case. Uh, Emanuele, just to start us off, would you mind sharing some insight into the mood of the city and the spirit of your colleagues and your industry colleagues when you're interacting with them? Yeah, of course. Good morning or good afternoon to everybody. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Business of Fashion. And let me first say thank you and catch the opportunity to have talking to an international audience to thank everyone everywhere in the world that is helping Italy today private citizens, but also countries like China, Russia, Cuba, sent doctors yesterday with a plane from La Habana. So many people helping from everywhere in the world. I mean, the situation is still very, very bad. As you said, luckily, yesterday, the figures starting to look a little better, but of course, it's really too early to say that this upcoming week is going to be crucial to understand if we are getting close to the peak and start 
being able to recover. Uh, very difficult to say now. The situation here is so bad. People are still dying. We have more than 5,000 people dead since the beginning of the virus. So it is very difficult for us to, you know, keep focusing on our job. But at the same time, I think it's very interesting for me to discuss with you, with all of you today, because there will be an aftermath. There's going to be a moment where we will be, have to be together to help people and companies that will be you know, afflicted by the, the consequences of the virus. And so it's a very good an interesting moment for me to start discussing with you. As for the mood of the team, as you can imagine, it is, again, very difficult to focus. We have people everywhere in Italy uh, because most of us decided not to stay in Milano. The company closed, the, the building, the Condenas building closed the day after uh, the mayor of Milan decided to close schools and university. I have to say that our CEO, Fidelio Zai, was very fast in reacting. We were probably the first public office in Milan that disposal we've been smart working for most more than three weeks from now luckily everybody is safe at the moment but uh, you know uh, of course not being able to physically catch up discuss uh, have a random encounter uh, makes our job much much more difficult than on a usual basis you know Outside of the mood inside of Condé Nast itself, how has the reaction of the wider industry and your your usual collaborators been? Just to give your audience that feeling of how fashion is important for the Italian market, we are fashion is the second Italian largest industry. The first is metal manufacturing. Uh, we are talking about 500,000 people empl directly employed by fashion, 82,000 companies. It's really a huge part of the country and it's mostly made of small or medium-sized brands, even companies, companies that just hire five to ten people. And you know how difficult that will be for, 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 it's going to be for them to recover. Um, so, uh, of course, we're in the moment, it's just like a limbo where we're actually, all of us are trying to find out what happened after. Uh, but what it's very interesting for me to note is that a lot of effort has been made by everyone, uh, all the big and small companies to give help to the government, to the local governments, uh, hospital, I just mentioned a few of them. Montclair decided to give 10 million to a, a new hospital in Milano. <clears throat> Armani did pretty much the same, 1.2 million. Uh, just today, Prada, Gucci, and Valentino announced that they will purchase an incredible amount of masks and medical overalls. So basically, they stopped producing garments and uh, fashion and starting and decided to start helping hospitals by producing equi equipments that we do need at the moment. Um, so the feeling is that the whole industry is actually trying to uh, work together and provide help to the, the to the to the people. And then there's gonna be, I guess, time in the future to kind of plan uh, things for, uh, for 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 the second half of the year. Now, really, the emergency is keeping everyone safe and healthy, and then the business is gonna come later, I guess. When you were describing the Italian industry just then and talking about how many small companies make it up and um, the structure of our industry and how we have all worked together over the past decades or more recently um, is based in a, in a world that we think is very unlikely to exist again. You know, there have been a number of step changes that we have all experienced 
um, as digital innovation and revolution has has uh, uh, been taken over by the Anthropocene that we we are entering into and concerns about climate change and and various other factors. As you think about how the industry is structured, but specifically about how your team and your business traditionally used to do its business, how it used to execute creating a magazine and publishing that magazine, how is that going to be possible in the future or in the near term? And how are you working with your team currently? Yeah, that was, of course, the, the very first thing we started discussing last week, because you know, from one side, you want to keep people also thinking about beautiful different contents you know uh so we decided to start keep producing con- fashion contents and keep spreading fashion contents on our website and on our instagram of course but at the same time you need to find the right tone of voice not to look like you're living in a different world so it's uh, advising inspiring encouraging and entertaining people finding you know the vogue angle for doing that of course uh, we will uh, not compete with other uh, websites to give uh, the art news but there i'm sure that there's a lot of things that we can do to make life of our readers a little more pleasant and enjoyable today uh, so i have to say that i'm very proud that my company condenastioli was the very first to decide to give digital copies for free for example so we really the next three issues of vogitalia are available uh, for, on for a free digital download and by the way this is also helping us to reach broader audience of people that are not usually buying the magazine on a monthly basis so if you see it from this side it's also interesting opportunity to 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 speak to a larger audience of course and this is one thing the other decision we made last week was giving free access to the vogitalia archive uh that is like a really very 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 important um part of our uh, brand you know that it's been it's like 60 years of publications very easy to to browse through a lot of incredible photography from all the big masters of photography great writing usually it's on a subscribers base but we decided to give it for free and i'm very happy to see how many people from all over the world are actually uh, catching this opportunity and you know flying with their fantasy through beautiful places uh, and accessing to very to incredibly strong contents from the last again 50 50 years and this is the very first thing we decided to do uh, and then of course we're producing a lot of content digital contents again to, to you know people are locked in in Italy they, they cannot even walk outside uh, with their dogs they cannot run they cannot go running anymore since yesterday uh, so the minimum we can do is try to give a hand a help and uh, and just you know try to entertain men with, with, uh, with all the contents that we're used to produce then of course Thinking about producing contents for the future is another story, and it's very, very challenging. So as I was telling you before, we are considering uh, working on a very special issue very quickly because my feeling is that releasing the magazine that we were just about to send to press last week is a little weird at the moment it was a very beautiful issue we've been working on for a long time, but we are trying to figure out 
if there's room for doing something that is more news related and um, and my feeling is that as you guys are doing on business of fashion there are a lot of contents that it's interesting to start discussing of course nobody knows what's going to happen with the fashion shows nobody knows what's going to happen with retail uh, cruise shows i mean there's a lot of questions out there but i think that it's now the moment to start discuss at least discussing and bringing together people with a strong opinion on that because uh, we will need to act fast uh, as soon as possible. And so I guess that the next issue is going to be a lot about this discussion. Pivoting to create a whole new issue and, you know, pausing the issue that you had planned to send to press in addition to big decisions like, like opening your archive to, to, you know, giving away three free issues. These are big decisions that typically you would have made in an office with the team, with everyone that you needed around the table. How, what has been your experience of keeping the magazine running and taking these brave pivots um, whilst, you have, whilst you have team members split across Italy, you know, with it dif- differing personal experiences of the pandemic that we are facing? Are there any lessons you can share with the community as to how you've enabled collaboration or sort of empowered individuals? Well, of course, as as much as uh, everyone else, I guess, we are spending a lot of time in Zoom meetings, Hangouts meets, because I do have the feeling that, uh, I mean, it was not the case probably in the very first days, but now I wake up in the morning with the feeling that I need to actually see people that I work with. Uh, I, can, I really, I actually miss them. I, do, I was impressed by the fact that I had a couple of meetings this morning and I was seeing people that I haven't been seeing for the last weeks, you know. Uh, then again, as I was saying, this is very difficult because uh, the conversation uh, through these media is not as uh, smooth as it is uh, live the discussion we are having we're usually having is not exactly the same uh, but at the same time and and of course we also have a lot of junior people in the team um, that are maybe living in Milano alone uh, in small apartments where the life is not very easy. So uh, so I really think that the minimum we can do is to try to uh, work together as much as possible. You know, in my personal experience, I'm not a big fan of meetings. Uh, so I usually... On a regular basis, I just host very small meetings of two or three people at the same time. Uh, but I'm impressed about the fact that now myself and the rest of the team feel the need of like large meetings. So we had a meeting of like a, around 40 people this morning. And although not everyone actually joined it in, a, in an active way, I'm sure that everybody kind of appreciated to actually be closer. So somehow, you know, in this weird and very sad moment, uh, the, I also am feeling that the team is feeling closer than in other moments where life was easier. You know what I mean? We certainly at BOF and through you know the wider circles of which I'm a part, that there's been a similar um, care and concern from from everyone about each other's well-being, which I think has been um, very nice to see. How have you faced the sort of increased responsibility you have for for some of your team members, given that they are you know, facing some very, very challenging circumstances in unprecedented times. And you mentioned that you, you've recognized the importance of inclusive meetings and having these digital touch points that are both professionally based and include a case of personal connection. But it, is there anything else you'd like to share on, on, the, uh, on how you're caring for your team? Well, I guess the very first thing that, I, again, it was probably not even my decision, but my CEO decision is, was 
having everyone everyone safe at home. So we, we were very fast for like a traditional publishing company in turning into smart working uh, in the first 48 hours, 95% of the team were able to access uh, to computers from their place VPN is working quite well. Uh, and I find out that it's actually, again, feasible, even for things that I thought were going to be complicated, like designing pages, layouts, reviewing pages. It's something that it is honestly feasible. So at the moment, the big recommendation is for everyone in the team to stay home and really, because again, the business is important. We're do, we all care a lot about what we do but this is a moment where actually the, 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 the health of people working for us is much more important so i would definitely never force anyone to do anything that they're not comfortable to do uh, this is this is the rule we're following at the moment and then again it's a short-term perspective that's for sure uh, we will need to figure out what's going to happen within the next four or five weeks uh, but we're all prepared to keep working from our homes for a, a reasonable amount of time you know because it's definitely impossible to understand even when we will be allowed to drive back to milano because starting from last night we can we're not even allowed to drive outside the village or city we are in so we're actually locked in the place where we are so we will need to figure out a way to keep working together from far away but I'm sure it's going to be very, very beautiful when we finally end up in the same room again. And this is going to happen for sure. Um, it's very early to discuss this in response to the pandemic that we, we are all facing, but it's undoubted that fashion and the pace of fashion has been increasing um, significantly over certainly the entire time that I've worked in the industry. And um, just this year, there have been a number of global um, issues that the industry has got behind, be it the Australian wildfires or the pandemic we face now. And as a result, as, as we were talking about just before we started, started broadcasting, the lead times that traditional print media uh, was based upon um, are struggling to respond to the pace at which news changes. Now, obviously, all of the publications or the, the, the successful publications that still are offering print media and other digital touch points for their community to access their, their brand and their content, you know, have all of those options, but uh, in order to engage their community, but the skills of the individuals behind those channels, the, the, the members of your team, they have to change. People have to be able to work quickly, to work adaptively, to take autonomy. You know, can you tell me about any, anything that you've experienced or witnessed that you've seen that you you see as a, a, as a key skill for people in the fashion industry to hold as, as we move forward and, and understand how the industry will have to change and how we work changes. Well, there are a couple of points that I think is worth discussing. Um, one that it's really interesting because we're putting together, as I was mentioning before, contents and interviews and opinions from very different people. And one of the pillars uh, of the common points of this opinion is that uh, after a long time of disintermediation of people bored about authorities, about knowledge, uh, people that are that used to fall in love for very young and fresh uh, 
uh, opinions coming from everywhere. There is a, a, one of the first feelings that we are all experiencing now is that we are looking for knowledge, we are looking for experience, and we do want to trust people that are actually, you know, skilled. That is that. I mean, of course, the first things that comes to my mind are doctors and uh, uh, scientists, but this is probably going to affect the larger world because, uh, again, we feel uh, we all feel that there's need and there's going to be more and more need of, of you know, knowledge. Uh, and this is something that might be interesting for, for the future. Not that I have anything against, you know, influencers, bloggers, uh, street style people, that that is totally fine. We're working with them. We love them. Uh, but even in our small world, in our industry, I, th I have the feeling that there will be more need for skills and uh, knowledge and experience. This is, this is one point. Second, of course, is, as you said, is being fast in reacting and adjusting. If we can make this issue coming out in a couple of weeks' time, it's going to be because it's a miracle of, you know, people actually being able to ship clothes before countries were locking down, friends willing to give a help uh, from the place they were, finding solutions. And, uh, and this is why I'm really uh, confident there is going to, be a very special moment for for Pogitalia. Uh, and then I guess it's about connecting dots. You know, what a, the first lesson I learned when I joined Pogitalia three years ago was that Franca Sozzani that made this magazine, this brand legendary, uh, was the, pretty much the first one that understood that fashion is just a language that can be used to you know, tell a lot of different stories. People still remember those five or six covers of Vogue Italia, the Black Issue, the uh, plastic surgery. I mean, uh, all those legendary Vogue Italia issues. Uh, no, I mean, not many people remember the fashion cover, beautiful fashion covers by Steve Meisel, uh, but most of the people from the industry remember those four or five covers. And this is because she was the first to understand how to use fashion to talk about the wider world. And then a lot of other followed. Um, and we're trying to do our part in, you know, keeping that tradition alive. Um, and I think that this is a very good point. I mean, I think that the, the people now are looking for meaning. I mean, even in, in, in our business, I mean, looking for meaning, looking for uh, something that really matters and it's going to be more and more. It doesn't necessarily mean that we need to deliver content that are like every, every time very, you know, serious and uh, politically uh, meaningful, but it means that we are actually looking for something that has, a, that, again, has a meaning. And this is part of the DNA of Italian Vogue. Uh, and this is something that I think is going to be even more important in the upcoming months, I guess. Um, it's, it's also something that um, is increasingly a part of the editor-in-chief role. Um, fashion as a language with which we can process the world and as a, as a mirror to, to, the, to the society we live in has naturally uh, been imbued by the substantive issues with which we face, be that inclusivity, diversity, sustainability, all of these things. And I, I wondered, you, you, you know, you, you, I, I believe your first editor-in-chief position was at Architectural Digest. You've mm -hmm. been an editor-in-chief over the most transformative decade the ind industry has faced. And how have you seen your role evolve and you know today what do you what do you believe the crux of the editor-in-chief role is in in the circumstances with which we live 
Yeah, to give a little bit of a background to our audience, uh, before being editor-in-chief of Vogue, I've been editor-in-chief of quite a few different magazines, very different ones, sport magazines. I've been a deputy editor of the Italian largest news weekly. I work for a sports daily. Uh, I was editor-in-chief of GQ, AD. I launched a magazine called Icon. I edited a women's fashion magazine called Flair. Um, I even was even briefly editor-in-chief of a magazine called Men's Self, meaning that coming from a very, you know, um, um, large and different uh, edit editorial background. Um, the first time I, I became editor-in-chief, it was probably 15 years ago. Uh, and back in those days, I mean, first of all, my feeling is that I became editor-in-chief of magazines uh, right after the big, golden years of magazines so we've been i've been struggling to with you know decreasing markets and problems and declining of print for my entire professional life and this is something so that that i'm kind of used to uh, but of course when i started editing a magazine we were all of us editors were in charge of you know focusing on contents producing contents uh print and digital contents after uh, the first years but it was just uh, uh, that was pretty much the job now especially at vogue you're actually pretty much like uh, the ceo of, uh, of a media company that you know covers uh, so many uh, different activities and engage with audience in so many different ways that you actually need to put together uh, very very different skills uh then of course uh, being a, again having an editorial background uh, for me is very important because i guess that producing contents is more important than the media that you, you will use to distribute that content so um it's a learning process where you actually learn how to use all the different tools that you have and in the case of Vogue Italia there are many of course uh, a very strong uh, Instagram uh, and Facebook uh, we're doing so many you know we used to do so many events uh, co-branding working with brands um, so again it's, it's it, it, my job is incomparably different uh, than it used to be 10 years ago and I guess it's going to be very different in five years time I guess I'm sure it will be <laughs> Um, the February 2020 issue, um, which was illustrated and was a response to the flooding of Venice and the climate crisis, which we are still facing as a planet, um, now is, serves as a very stark reminder that we, we really do have to examine how we operate and what we do. Um, how, do you, how are you approaching your ability as the leader of a publication to support different issues, be that climate crisis through that issue or the April issue that will be focused on, on, on this pandemic, pandemic or in whichever way you, you approach, approach it. How, do you, how are you approaching um, what you do and the level of uh, commitment you make to each of the causes? Um, you know, there, there's, there's too many causes for, for any, any one company to support in any real way. There are a number of different global metrics that are used to identify good work or identify positive impact. How do you approach that? 
That's a very good point. I mean, um, I think that uh, as we were discussing earlier, uh, readers and our audience expect us to have a voice and have a point of view on the most relevant topics today. But at the same time, I don't want to give the feeling that we need every single issue to actually be dedicated to a cause that would not look sincere to me, you know, at the end, honestly, I mean, not talking about this very specific moment, but generally speaking, we are a fashion magazine and what we're supposed to do is celebrating fashion, of course, in a very interesting and challenging time. I mean, so uh, there are a lot of in incredibly relevant questions uh, upon us. Do we, I mean, very generally speaking, do we still need fashion? Do we still need to buy more clothes? Do we still need to attend fashion shows? Does it still make sense to fly 1,000 people from one country to another just to attend to a 15-minute shows? I mean, there are a lot of things that we need to face uh, as a fashion title, as an industry in general. What, I, what we're trying to do is just try to be as honest as possible. Again, knowing that uh, our job is not about you know every single issue and every single day on our digital platforms to stand for a cause because this, I mean, what I don't like about sometimes about the conversation within this industry is this idea that you're focused on a very specific cause that, like two years ago, me too, and then you move on, and then it's sustainability, and then again, it's like climate change, and then again, it's uh, diversity, and then you start over again. I mean, uh, all those uh, causes, all those topics are in the DNA of Vogue Italia more than in the DNA of other brands. And we need to have a, a voice and to keep sending mess strong messages about, the, about those mm, topics, but we don't want to just focus on those you know so the plan for this year was as we mentioned we were quite successful in this uh, all illustrated issue in january uh, that was like uh, very impressive for me for a couple of reasons first was uh, of course i mean in, in a lot of different ways but the first one is that clearly people were kind of missing this idea of fashion illustration it's it's a little thing i mean we're discussing in these dramatic days about minor things but the fashion illustration is is an art that was kind of missed you know uh so i'm, I'm happy to i was happy to see how many people reacted uh and that we were using that for a cause not just for the sake of doing something uh, beautiful and then of course there's another technical thing that it's interesting to notice that is that and it's what i call the multiply effect of vogue italia you know when you're doing something again it might sound banal but uh, but it's it's interesting to notice when you're doing something uh different on a magazine like vogue italia people do react i mean i always think about uh, the September issue of a couple of years ago, 2017, there was a murder Marcus cover with a lot of different people kissing each other, boy, a boy, girl and girl, girl and boy. And it was something that was, I mean, a little nice idea, but nothing special. And a lot of other magazines did gay kisses on their cover, but the fact that it was Vogue Italia made it totally viral. So uh, what I always tell my team is that we need to think about how different the impact of some content uh, are, uh, can be if you spread it through a media like Vogue Italia compared to other medias. This is not for being arrogant, it's just for being responsible. 
When you think about the impact of spreading content through Vogatalia, the multiplier effect that you, you've just mentioned, um, you know, as you start um, responding to the pandemic in a um, less of a news-based way, less of an entertaining your community and, and supporting them and advising, but actually putting together your next issue in April, what, what, what is the lesson that you're going to share? Or what, what is, what is the, your, you know, with, with this voice that you have, um, what is your, your response to the pandemic? Yeah. And, and if I have to think about one, it'll be about, and this is something that is quite uh, intense for Italians, is moving from I to us, you know what I mean? So it's this idea of community. Uh, it's about me, but also my team. It's about my team in Milano, but also my team in New York. It's about my team and the rest of the company. What Vanity Fair Italy is doing is very important for us at the moment. It's about the community of our friends, meaning photographer, stylist, model, that are trying to give a help uh, to put together this issue. Uh, and the industry and the society, I mean, we are, we are born and raised in a very individual environment. Uh, my feeling, again, still being in a limbo in a moment where it's difficult to figure out what's going to happen is that there's going to be uh, many opportunities uh, for all of us as long as we can work together. And I don't think we're, fa we're going to enter in a moment where it's going to be me, me. Uh, that's why, for example, for mentioning another important aspect for me, uh, it is very important for me that the magazine Bugitalia is more relevant than the editor-in-chief, I mean, editor-in-chief's uh, passes, pass, uh, but the, the magazine itself is more important. I mean, I respect other approaches, but this is the way we handle the magazine, the magazine and the brand and the contents we're producing and the beauty we can put together is more important than, the, than me and the people that actually are, you know, working in this moment for the brand. I'm conscious that we, we've run out of time, but I have two more questions. One from, from the audience who are watching. Uh, Lauren Walsh has asked how you're approaching working with freelancers. And when you think about the evolution from I to us, you know, it's very easy for us to forget about the huge network of individuals that work in freelance capacity across the industry. And their, you know, their ability to travel, their ability to, you know, has been, is, is one of the more immediately obvious um, areas where, where there will have to be change for it to continue. How, how have you considered the freelance community and, and obviously the, the very high-profile collaborators you work with around the world? Well, um, in my mind, Vogitalia, it is a hub of freelancers. I mean, we have a, we have a small team compared to other titles. Uh, and this is not a matter of cost. It's a matter of you know, trying to have a very small team and being able to bridge a lot, as many different talents everywhere in the world working together. That's why, just to give an example, uh, we don't have a, a proper fashion director because we think that Vogitalia should be the place for the best possible talents in terms of styling, photography, uh, uh, everywhere in the world. So uh, freelancers, uh, rather than having a small team producing all the contents in-house. I mean, there are pros and cons, of course. There are advantages and disadvantages, but this is the way we are, we are kind of thinking the magazine. I was having a, a 
an inter a live interview with Remo Ruffini from Montclair, and he was telling me that he, he feels Bogitalia very much as Montclair genius. Uh, again, uh, Montclair decided not to have a creative director, but to bring different people every season to work, to play with the brand. And this is uh, kind of the same way we see the magazine, Ferdinando Verderi, my creative director, and I are really trying to bring, bring together the best possible talents. Uh, so it is a magazine about that is uh, living through the voices and the eyes of people everywhere in the world. We have a very large community of photographers that, that work together on this platform we call Photo Vogue. Um, and we bring them to Milano for this Photo Vogue festival. So Vogue Italia is about the voices of people everywhere in the world that contributes to the magazine much more than it is about me and my small team in Milano. My final question um, was actually, um, it is really just what gives you hope at this time. Um, you know, we face very, very challenging circumstances, but um, a number of very insightful and respected individuals from a number of industries have highlighted that this cause for us to slow down pause and this opportunity for reflection you know, could create some positive impact despite the very tragic loss of life that we are that we are experiencing in Italy is obviously experiencing disproportionately highly um what yeah. is it that you come back to when you need to feel hopeful yeah i understand the point i mean i really think that was uh, are actually forced to give more weight and more meaning to what we have and what we do in our uh, usual life. I mean, I was thinking about myself being kind of, you know, I, might not, I should not say that, but maybe bored to attend to some, you know, adventure, tired of traveling uh, or feeling feel the need to, you know, to buy something new. I mean, uh, I guess that the, the only good side of the situation we are challenging is pretty much about the fact that we are actually figuring out what we are missing and hopefully uh, when this is going to be over and people and people will be safe again also going to a shop and buy fashion is going to be like a celebration uh, of freedom and a little sign of victory and then of course finally being able to catch up with all the people we are missing today uh, is going to be even more beautiful than it used to be we used to be we are a generation that used to give things for granted you know uh, and even kids are kind of used to have access to everything to be able to travel everywhere in the world um, uh, to buy fashion for reasonable prices. I mean, I guess that we're going to end up in a situation where we will have, probably have less, but we will give more meaning to what we have. And this is something that might also have like some positive impact. And Manuel, those are all of my questions. Is there anything that you wanted to share with our community before I let you get back to, to your work? Well, there's a, there's a, there's a little person. There's a little personal story that I want to share with you just to, because it says something about Italia. You know, as you, you might see this picture behind me. This is my, uh, this is a family house. This is my grandfather. He used to be like an important judge in back in the 60s and 70s. And we find out recently that uh, a commando of the Red Brigade terrorists were just about to kidnap him 
and then luckily they were stopped by the police like the day before. And so, I mean, if that didn't happen, I was probably not going to be here with you today. Um, that is for saying that the country went through very intense and difficult moments before the, the Second World War, uh, years of terrorism, uh, years of mafia. But we do our best when we have our shoulders against the wall. So I'm sure we will recover and we are looking forward to welcome you all in Italy, if not this summer, very soon to enjoy what we think is the most beautiful country in the world. For good reason. Well, thank you again for your time and please take our best to your team and to all of our industry colleagues and let us know if there's anything we can do to help and support. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure for me to be with you. Thank you, Emanuele, and thank you to everyone that joined. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, give us a rating, and you might be interested in joining the Business of Fashion's global membership community, BOF Professional. Our members receive exclusive deep dive analysis, regular email briefings, as well as unlimited access to our archive of over 10,000 articles, our new iPhone app, biannual special print editions, and all of the online courses and learning materials from BOF Education.